So this morning we're going to be focusing in on Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. But as I am been doing, as we look at each individual verse this morning again, I'll be reading this entire section just to keep it vibrant in our hearts and minds. So you could find us on page 1160 in the Bibles provided in the chairs. And I'm going to be reading Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10, and I'll be reading through verse 20. Verses 10 through 20 of Ephesians 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Verse 14. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, and with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Let us go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your word. Father, we pray that you will guide us, that you'd give us wisdom and understanding, that you'd give us discernment to know your truth through the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that you will just grow us in the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ. And help us to know your truth. For in knowing your truth, we are set free. In Christ's wonderful name, amen. I remember in high school, I did several different 
plays and musicals and things like that. I remember there was this one play, and it was set in the time of the nights. And there was this one who had this strong, powerful knight with all the armor on and that. But this, this knight was a bit prideful. Prideful. Oh, his armor gleamed and shined, and he was there. And I remember he was... He was supposed to be the, the hero in the story. But because of his pride, he wound up being the villain. It was just interesting. I, I love the twist on it. But there is this big, it was the final big scene, the big battle, the big moment. And he was standing there in all his pride and all his armor and all his glory. And one of the peasants came up because he was using his power to take land, and he became the villain in the story. And this peasant came up to him with no armor on, no sword, no anything. And the knight stood there with all his armor. And he's like, you can do nothing against me. Look at my sword. Look at my... I mean, he just stood there in all his glory. And the peasant just looked him from head to toe. And he noticed something. And right when the knight came forward to wield his blow, all the peasant had to do was this. He jumped down and grabbed the rug that the knight was standing on and pulled it with all his force. And that knight with all his armor and all his glory came crashing down and was defeated. This is the most humbling end I ever saw in a beautiful illustration that pride tr- truly does come before the fall. But the Apostle Paul is trying to develop here as we go through the armor of God. Remember, he keeps taking us to this image of the Roman soldier. And these soldiers, in all their preparedness and all their training, had to have on the proper armor. We've looked at the belt of truth where everything needs to be tied together and held together firmly in the truth of God's word because what is the key way that someone becomes undone and trips up and falls in the midst of this spiritual battle we face every day is we get tripped up and hindered by lies and falsehood all around us. The devil is a liar. All he knows how to do is to lie. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy through lies and deceptions. The fallen world around us is full of corruption and lies, so it's trying to deceive in our own fallen flesh that we must continue to battle against until finally Christ returns and we are fully liberated from our old fallen flesh that old fallen flesh continues to try to deceive with those old passions and desires that are in rebellion against God. So we have to have that belt of truth, God's truth, the truth of God's word, the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Everything is wrapped and held together by that truth. And then we looked at the breastplate of righteousness. That it is the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed, credited, given to us freely by God's grace. 
that is the righteousness that we can stand in. Because in and of ourselves, we have no righteousness. Of our own strength and ability and power, our righteousness is but filthy, soiled rags. So we have this righteousness imputed, given to us by Jesus Christ. We are saved by Christ alone, through God's grace alone, through faith alone. It is faith that makes us alive. That faith in Jesus Christ and His righteousness. And as that righteousness is credited to us and we are made alive, we are justified, then we continue to live a life of sanctification where we grow up into the image of Jesus Christ, and we are called to walk in righteousness, to walk in holiness. And it is that righteousness and holiness and desire to live according to God's will and ways that guards our hearts from the ongoing onslaught of sin and temptation in the world and the devil and our old flesh. So here we see now, as we enter into verse 15, we see where the Apostle Paul focuses down on what is the foundation that our feet are on. Remember the key word the Apostle Paul kept using as we entered into this passage, as we look at Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10. The emphasis is standing, standing firm. You can see this in verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand for ground. After you have done everything to stand, and verse 14 begins with stand firm. So there's three times back, I mean, just right in a row, so close that the Apostle Paul is emphasizing what it is to stand, to have our feet firmly planted and gripping the truth of the gospel. All other ground is sinking sand. Everything but Jesus Christ is a slimy, slippery muck. Not too long ago, we were able to, uh, Cammy and the kids and I were able to go kayaking. And we never understood why when people kayak in Liberty Bay, they do not do it at low tide unless they have their own dock. We never understood that. I never understood. What's so bad with low tide? So we go there to Keyport, and it is at low tide. And we're bringing the kayaks down. And before me was 20 feet of mire and muck and slime to get to the water. And in all my pride and exuberance, what's so bad about that? Well, after I am near knee deep, losing my shoes, weeping and wailing, slippering and twisting my knee in that, by God's grace, we get those kayaks in. But we made one determination. 
We are not coming back until it is high tide. I learned my lesson. Thanks be to God, I can still learn. So it is so vitally important where our feet are planted if we are going to stand firm and be able to withstand the constant attack and battle of the devil and the world and our fallen flesh. This is what's so important. So the Apostle Paul beautifully weaves together. We see how the Holy Spirit's inspiring this vital reality of where our feet must be and how they are to be protected and what we are to be standing on if we are going to persevere by God's grace through the Holy Spirit enabling us in that regard. So we start with verse 15. It says, And as shoes for your feet. The the literal terminology there is, And as for what is bound under your feet. So we understand that that context most often is shoes. But here, what it's foundationally getting at is what is wrapped around and under your feet to enable you to grip and have support so that you can stand and not slip and fall under attack. And this is the dominant theme throughout the Old Testament. This understanding of our feet placed on firm footing by God's grace. As I began the service, I began it with Psalm 40. Again, I read you verses 2 through 3. Here we see where the psalmist explains what's at the heart of the gospel. And we see where the Apostle Paul is drawing upon this truth. Psalm 40, starting at verse 2. He drew my feet from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. There's the gospel. There's the gospel as clear as can be. Remember what the gospel is? That we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, as Ephesians 2 says. That we were children of wrath, children of condemnation. That we were under bondage and enslavement to the, to the devil and to the fallen world and to our own fallen flesh. And in our sin and in our death, we were in the mire and the bog. We were trapped and sinking and slipping and stumbling and falling. We had no sure place for our feet. We had no way to stand and we were heading toward destruction. So how is it that we are saved? By grace. We could not get out of the pit. We could not get out of the bog. Yet God reaches down and takes hold of us. This is what the psalmist says. Pulls us out of the miry bog and pit and he places us on the rock. He drew me out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog and set my feet upon the rock, making my steps secure. That's grace. That's how we are saved. 
Verse 3. What does this mean that our, our steps are secure? He put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? So here we're seeing what's at the foundation of what Paul is saying here about our feet having the shoes and having the preparedness and being in a place where our steps can be secure. And it begins and ends and continues with the understanding that we are saved by grace. It's the gospel. This is throughout the psalm. Psalm 37, again, Psalm 37, starting at verse 23, the psalmist says, The steps of man are established by the Lord when he delights in his ways. Verse 24, here's a beautiful promise. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong. For the Lord upholds his hand. What a beautiful promise. Here we have the person who has been saved by God, who continues, now his feet are in a secure place on the rock, yet here the psalmist acknowledges that on this heaven and earth, there will be times where we will still stumble and fall because we will still find ourselves in times of sin and struggle. But as a believer, if we stumble and fall, will we be destroyed? No. God picks us back up. He's holding us that whole time. Again, that's the gospel. That's the good news. And that's what Isaiah, Isaiah 41 says. It's the same thing. Isaiah 41, it's as if he just continues writing beyond Psalm 37, verse 24. Because Isaiah 41, 10 says this. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And there again is the gospel. How is it that we will be able to stand? Because it is God's righteous right hand. That upholds us. It is his righteousness that is credited to us. It is the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. The perfect, spotless, holy lamb who was slain on the cross, whose blood was poured out for whoever would believe in him and trust him, that they would be counted, considered righteous. So as the Apostle Paul says, and as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness, readiness, another way to understand that word readiness is the preparedness. How are your feet secure and prepared? It is again that they are on the rock that is God's truth and the gospel. There's no better way to understand this than, for me, than Matthew 7. Matthew 7. We have the parable 
of the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man and the foolish man. This is a very important parable. Because both the wise man and the foolish man get beaten. They both experience the howling winds, the tearing floods, the storm beats against them, but one does not fall and the other one falls. So what's the difference? What's the difference? Matthew 7, starting at verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words, so this is Jesus teaching, who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall. Because it had been founded on the rock. That house stood and was built upon the secure rock of who Jesus is, what he came to do on the gospel. Just as we are to have our feet fitted with the shoes of the gospel of peace, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is what our feet are standing firmly on and gives us the traction and ability to continue standing and moving forward in the truth. But verse 26, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So we have one house that is built and founded on the rock of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and another house that is built and founded on its own strength its own righteousness, its own ability, not believing and trusting in the gospel. And it is destroyed. destroyed. So we see how vitally important this is. This preparedness, this readiness that comes with the gospel. The gospel. So here, ultimately... In verse 15, we see the center of the verse. And as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel. So what is it that the gospel does that enables us to stand firm and be ready, be prepared at all times to face anything and to continue to stand firm in Jesus Christ? What is it about the gospel? Well, the gospel is everything. It's everything for us. And you see this development through the Gospels. If you start in Luke 1, you hear this prophecy of Zechariah. This is John's father, and he's prophesying. And Luke 1, he gives this prophecy. He says this, starting at verse 76. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. 
for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. To give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. To guide our feet into the way of peace. That's literally another way to say what Paul is saying here. That the gospel is the preparedness for our feet to continue to walk in and stand in the peace of God. It's the same thing what, what Zechariah is prophesying here. And that's what's at the heart of the gospel. At the heart of the gospel is this. We need forgiveness of sins. We need a Savior. And there is only one Savior. And this Savior is the Son of God. And God saves us by sending His only begotten Son. And if you would but trust and believe in His sacrifice on the cross, you're saved. You're saved. You're taken from the miry pit and you are established on the rock. That's the gospel. It's believing that and trusting that and living that out and and just giving Christ the praise, glory, and honor. So we see that's what John does in Mark 1. John preaches. And what does John preach? He preaches this. Mark 1, verse 4. He says, John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is this. We are sinners and we can have salvation in Jesus Christ. That Christ died on the cross to take our sin, to bear the wrath that we deserve, so that we could be made right, so that we could have peace with God and eternal life. That's the gospel. That is the foundation, basis, truth of the gospel. And that's what Jesus preached. If you go on in Mark 1, you see Jesus is preaching. Mark 1, verse verse 4, 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. So what is the gospel that Jesus preached? Verse 15. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, turn around, and believe in the gospel. Repentance and believing that in Jesus Christ is forgiveness of sins. So that's the gospel. At its heart, at its foundation. Because ultimately, our greatest need is we need to be made right with God. I've been mentioning a lot in the past, but, but we have to understand this aspect of the gospel. The gospel is that we need to be saved. And as I've quoted many times, as R.C. Sproul would always ask then, save from what? Save from what? 
And what the gospel is, is we need to be saved from God. Because he is holy. And he is perfect. And he is just. And he is love. And we in and of ourselves are none of those things. So we need to be saved from God. And we are saved by God. God sends his only begotten son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And we are saved for God to be his children whom he loves, whom he cares for. So this is what the gospel is. So it's so important to know the truth of the gospel because the true gospel is the only rock to which we will be able to stand on. There are a whole lot of false gospels out there. But all those false gospels, all they are, are rugs. And they can look awfully nice. But ultimately, if you're putting your hope and comfort on on one of those rugs, what will eventually happen is it's going to get pulled out from underneath your feet. And you're going to fall. That's why the Apostle Paul was so animate against any false gospel, any distortion of that basic truth of who Jesus Christ is and what he came to do. Because the true gospel is the only rock, the only foundation that our feet will be able to stand on. It is secure. So we see what the gospel is. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel, and then the last words in the verse, of peace of peace again that plays into this understanding that we are saved from god by god for god because ultimately we need to be at peace with god and once we are at peace with god in his son jesus christ we have nothing to fear we have nothing to fear Because that rock is secure. And no matter what wind, no matter what flood, will beat against that house. If it's founded on the rock of Jesus Christ and his gospel, it will stand. What's so vitally important about this passage of Ephesians 6.15? So we see the gospel understood as the gospel of peace. This is the main descriptor of what the gospel is throughout the scriptures. We see this again and again. We see this in Colossians 1. In Colossians 1, starting at verse 19, the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, and he says, For in him, this is speaking of Jesus Christ, for in him... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile, to make right, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. There it is. By the blood of his cross. So that's why we have a gospel of peace, is the gospel is that Christ shed his blood 
gave his life, took the punishment we deserve, so that rather being children of wrath, children of disobedience, children under condemnation, children of the devil, we would become children of God, precious and loved. This is the gospel of peace. And it is only if first you have peace with God that you could even begin to have peace with anyone else. That's what the world has so twisted and wrong. The world around us and all these systems try to establish ways of peace between people that are outside of and have no regard for Jesus Christ. It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. We can only have peace if we have peace with God. And that's what's at the heart of what Paul's saying here in verse 15. We see this theme throughout the scripture. Colossians 4, the Apostle Paul says, again, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. In Philippians 1, the Apostle Paul talks about standing firm in the gospel, in one spirit and one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. In 2 Thessalonians 2, the Apostle Paul again speaks of standing firm. He says how to stand firm there is to stand firm by holding to the traditions that you have been taught. Holding to the authority of the scriptures as without error, as inspired, as true, and holding to these traditions and not letting them go. But ultimately, where you see the gospel of peace most clearly displayed is in Romans 5 and Romans 8. In Romans 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And to illustrate that, Romans 5 goes on to say, While we were yet sinners, while we were still enemies of God, hating God, Christ died for us. While we were still in the pit, in the bog, in the miry clay, God pulled us out and set us on the rock. We are saved by grace. And that's why Romans 8 goes on to say, Starting at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And there it is. Those are the shoes that we as Christians need to put on. This is the rock that we are to stand on. Ultimately, if we understand the gospel and we understand the power of God, we understand this truth. If God is for us, 
Who can be against us? Who is stronger than God? What is stronger than God? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And that's so important. Because when we find ourselves starting to struggle and doubt and face difficulty and temptation, we feel our knees get a little weak and our feet begin to slip. It is often because in those moments we are forgetting or we are doubting that reality. If God is for us, who can be against us? If we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, then what could destroy us? Nothing. No one. Because our daddy is bigger and stronger than anyone else's daddy. God is greater. That's the reality. That's why Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, here's the gospel of peace, who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's what's at the heart of the gospel. And that's why Romans 5 verse 9 says, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him by the wrath of God. So this is what we are to have on our feet. This readiness and preparedness that enables us to stand against any wind, any flood, any suffering, any challenge, any difficulty, any beating against. What enables us to stand and continue to move forward in the will and ways of God? It is the gospel of peace that we know and that we believe and that we hold to the gospel of Jesus Christ and that we know that Christ is the rock that we stand upon. All other ground is sinking sand. But there is a rock that you can stand secure forever. And it is Jesus Christ. Let us have our feet on the rock. That's the only way we can stand. So that's my hope and prayer. If there's, there's anyone here who feels their, their feet slipping because of whatever challenge or difficulty, or if there's someone here who just You don't know if your feet have ever been on the rock. I just encourage you to, to hear the gospel. To believe in the gospel. To trust the gospel. Because even if 
we as believers find ourselves in times where we begin to stumble and fall? If God is for us, what could be against us? Remember who catches us? is God's righteous right hand. The gospel of peace is this. We have been justified by grace. We are being sanctified by grace. And we are going to be glorified by grace. It is always the righteousness of the Son. It is always the peace that He has established for us on the cross is how we can stand and continue forward in the gospel of grace. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gospel of peace that you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, so that we can have peace with you. Father, we thank you that that if we have faith in your son, Jesus Christ, if we believe and trust in him, we know that you have taken us out of the slippery bog and pit of destruction and placed our feet firmly on the rock of your love, your forgiveness, and your grace. Father, we pray that you would remind us of this and help us to continue to stand firm in the true gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ. In Christ's wonderful name, amen.